Good evening. Welcome to episode 57 and or 58, Sports Nuts and Beer Guts 2.0. This week, the Vol Victory Lap episode. Coming at you, the Tennessee Trio, Chris Collett, McClure Boyd, yours truly, Matt Higman, the three Tennessee natives. We cannot help ourselves. We don't have an agenda tonight except for bask in that creamsicle afterglow from <laughs> nice. the epic win Saturday night, 52-49, Tennessee overcomes the 15-year curse of Nick Saban and Alabama wins in epic fashion. The goalpost ends up in the Tennessee River, as is tradition with a win like this. Chris, have you come down from that high? Negative. Not at all. Uh, my work ethic this week at work has been next to nothing. Uh, I, yeah, I've, I've been watching, uh, I've been scrolling through TikTok at my desk all, all week. Uh, just I'm on Vols talk right now. It's just every other one's Rocky Top or Zach Bryan something in the orange or uh, John Ward's voice will make an appearance every once in a while. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm still doing that, and I've not got tired of that yet. I don't I don't foresee it happening anytime soon. Uh, this is, I mean, when was the last time Tennessee actually had a good good team? Oh one. That's it was probably it was probably oh one when Casey Clawson was at the helm, right? So, uh, twenty years. Twenty this years. Is... We could the oh six team was secretly elite, but lost some games, and Eric Ainge missed some games. But the oh one, that's the last time they were on this that they were on this level. Yeah. Um. So yeah, twenty years in the making. Uh, the last fifteen of which have been just oh, oh gosh, like out of a nightmare. I mean, you, you get the the end of Fulmer, you get the one year Kiffin. Oh God. And then you get Dooley, Butch, Pruitt. Uh, so many bad football games that I've sat through and just, uh, and I know I, like, I'm sure Hickey will touch on this at some point. The Tennessee Alabama series has been like a series of streaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very streaky at that. So it's kind of annoying hearing Alabama fans talk about how much they dominated us. Then I remember, in my youth, whenever they couldn't come close to beating us, yeah, Tennessee so, owned them for a decade. Uh, was it was it Joey Kent that had the ADR touchdown, or who was that? Yeah, Joey Kent, play number one, yeah, 1995. Play number one. Yeah, yeah, that's one, uh, one of my early childhood memories right there. Uh, but yeah, no, it's I, I don't know what can take me off this high. Uh, I guess losing to Kentucky in two weeks. I guess that would that do it. That's probably the next chance. I'm glad we're playing UT Martin because oh. our, our fan base is, is going to be hungover Saturday. Oh, my gosh. Uh, naturally, the players are. So I'm glad we essentially have a bye. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. It's been a great, great, what, three, four days now? It has, yes. Yeah, Saturday night uh, and Sunday ran together. And, yeah, here we are Tuesday night. Uh Still flying high, McClure. How how are you feeling? There were um, I'd like to hear your perspective. There were a, a number of curses broken um, in your household uh, while watching um, while watching this game. We're still waiting for this game needs a name. You know, there's the kick six game. This is you know, there's got to be, you know, I, I've, well, the one I've heard so far is the knuckleball um, for the kick. But uh, regardless, McClure, uh, so how, how, how you feeling? 
So I'll start it and just say that was probably the most fun I've ever had watching a football game in my life. Yeah. Just with the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows. And uh, we had friend of the pod, Alan Wallace, in our uh, in our uh, room in our house, which here's the backstory on the, on the cursed room. So we've just watched mm-hmm. sports down here. It's a big giant screen. We watch sports down here. It's a good room to watch it. It's uh, but we started, I think with Peyton's first Super Bowl with the Broncos. Seahawks. And it was just, yep. it was just a destruction. We're all huge Peyton fans and it was just sad. And I think people were like playing board games by the halftime. And uh, we were playing catchphrase. We continued with uh, the Falcons Super Bowl. Um, that was a big letdown because everybody hated the Patriots, of course. And then, you know, just weird off the wall kind of episodes where we're watching the NBA and Paul George's leg snaps in half. And uh, so there's been a long tradition of a curse in this, in this room, specifically tied to sports. So me and Alan and my two kids watched it. Um, together and we we thought you know with that fumble at the end there's like four and a half minutes left we thought Mm -hmm. oh there it is it's the curse it's back but we stuck it out it it was just so much fun and uh it's it's one of these things where it's like the it's it's the culture knows about it like my second grader going to school like talking about it all day coming (laughs) home saying they talked about it everybody's and we went to we went bowling right after the game in in Kingsport, an hour and a half from the stadium, and no one was there. And in twenty minutes, everybody's rolling in with their UT gear on, high five, and everybody, you know, going to going to the restaurants afterwards. Everybody's high fiving, like just total just jubilation. It was awesome, but uh, most fun I've ever had watching a football game. And uh, but. Good grief! As far as a name, that's got to be the Wounded Duck game or something. With that, with the way that ball went in, it's it was uh, tipped. It's amazing. But, I don't yeah. think it was tipped. It wasn't. I thought. I thought they got a finger on it. I don't think no. it was tipped. I don't think it was either. I looked at that oh replay. I think it's I, just a bad Wounded Duck. I don't know how you kick one that bad and it go forty yards, 41, 42 yards. Uh, <sighs> I don't think it was tipped though. Yeah. Wow, that's uh. Either way, it it went through. We'll we'll take it. Um, I, I had a pretty interesting experience watching the game. Um, it was a quite a weekend. Um, this is something been planned for a while. We actually had a memorial service for my dad uh, in Kingsport. Um, you know, he had passed away two plus years ago. I've talked about this on the you know on on the podcast, and it wasn't safe to to have a service at the time. And so, two and a half years later, we well not quite but almost we have a service in kingsport at um you know his old church and saw so many people there it was really um a great experience um and uh, you know through that i you know so it was obviously an emotional weekend to begin with um football's tangential to those things in, in life but somehow can be uh, you know sports can be a comforting unifying distraction and or just event to to rally around. So I know I was thinking, you know, through that that my dad would have given given me a hard time. Like you had to schedule it during the Bama game. Come on, son. What what were you thinking? Um, and he, he would have gotten a kick out of that. So as we're cleaning up, you know, we have have it have it on, and we actually watched the the end of it on our Airbnb. And you know, with my 
my mom, and my sister, and and uh, you know we've always been you know, big big Vol fans. Being in, in East Tennessee, so it was it was something about that as a punctuation to that day almost was cathartic. Um, just because it's something that my dad would have been invested in, and I had two really close friends of mine pass away years ago, and you know I, I thought of them and how much they would have um, enjoyed this. So you know it's. A sports eye like this is just not only does it, and I don't want to get too poetic or uh, faux poetic because I'm not good at that, but just like it does, it does link you to relationships and friendships that are, you know, interactively linked, um, which is great. And you feel those things and remember those things. So not only do you remember, like, I remember all those terrible games we watched in your basement, McClure, but I remember hanging out with you guys. So that's sort of the, you know, sort of the point. But, um, and that was a cool thing too. That was a, it's the relational aspect. You talk yeah. about people that like high five and all outside and, the, and it's just, it's just like a, a unifier. It's a, it's a cool thing. And like you say, it's like tangential to what it's just life, you know, and that's, that's what the cool thing is about it. But they, um, you know, that your, your eulogy was super poignant. It was awesome that day. Cause you made a joke during it that, uh, <laughs> You know, if if there's a wind blowing a field goal to the right or something, you know that's your that's your dad. And uh, we, me and Alan, both thought about that when we saw that field goal miss. It was great. So, that one went wide. Yeah, <laughs> it was. We we laughed at that, but uh, just this is something I wanted to uh, pull out too. Talking about the the game itself and the atmosphere. Yeah, let's jump into it. This was. Uh, so decibel levels is something that I'm not too familiar with, but as far as what it represents, um, I think that 125 decibels apparently is what the stadium got to on a third down at some point in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. which is, um, let's read this. This is from a guy from CBS that was there. And Fake says, news. <laughs> Josh Pate. Josh Pate from <laughs> CBS Sports. Um uh, Alabama had more total yards and penalties than they had total yards rushing. If you don't think that the environment that they played in contributed to that, I think you're in a little bit of denial. This is the best regular season game I've ever witnessed in person. It's the loudest environment I've ever witnessed. I could not believe the sustained roar, the sustained decibel level, phenomenal atmosphere. So let's hope we had millions and millions of recruits and they all signed. And uh, yeah, so I mean, just we can speak to that a little bit as far as the atmosphere. I remember going to the Florida game this year and it got up to about 102 as far as the decibels they've had it on the big screen. So that is a, I mean, I think about how loud that was. So I bet it was just a wild there on Saturday. Uh, speaking of the atmosphere, so get in price was about $500 a ticket. Um, tickets were ranging eight to 1200, uh, for pretty good seats. Like how much would you have spent like in hindsight, knowing, knowing how the game would have went, how much would you have been comfortable spending to go to that game? $2,500. Oh, <laughs> I, I was around I three grand. I was around three grand. So yeah, I mean, that's reasonable. You know, no, I, this no is another everything. thing that Matt told a story in his eulogy of his father talking about prices of wedding rings. This was a cool story about how, you know, 
it said something like, you know, you look at that price, if it doubles, amortize it over 50 years and that's nothing. And that's the way I look at this. It's like that would have been an experience of a lifetime. So that's cool. If, if I could have been there with, you know, you guys and, you know, taking, taking my son to it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Sitting by myself. No, but, um, <laughs> one other person or, you know, a few y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I, absolutely. I, I don't know. I don't know that I would have gone to, you know, down to the river with the goalpost. I feel like I'm a bit <laughs> old to have been a part of that, but <laughs> here's what would have happened if I paid $2,500 though is we would have lost that game in dramatic fashion, plus also three more games and played in the Meineke Car Care Bowl. Uh, that was my conversation with my brother, was sports bring the highest highs and some of the lowest lows. And these moments like Saturday, man, it, it just cannot be beat. I don't I don't think it can be beat. Anything in life, period. Uh, and I'm I even talking about the birth of my first child. Uh, that, that win Saturday was better. So... This is recorded, so Jameson earmuffs. <laughs> don't don't you kind of relate it to uh, playing eighteen holes and you're shooting like hundred and seventy and you get a birdie on the eighteenth? It's just like it keeps you coming back. That one good thing, it's like it keeps you coming back. So Three the fifteen, I represent that as the fifteen years of Pruitt. Uh, all all these coat, you know, just all this terrible <laughs> mess we've had. But the so. so um, well, or you hit an albatross like, you know, one guy around here has Damn. before. Damn. <laughs> so um, our friend Logan brought up something interesting. I want to touch on this. So storming the field. Um, it was an, I mean, it was truly an epic scene. Like I, I know, yes, yes. wholly biased orange tinted glasses. Yes. But that game ends, the fireworks go off the sea of orange punctuated by maybe the best troll ever in college football playing yes. Dixieland delight on repeat, which we texted about that earlier in the week. I, I was like the, the stones on whoever decided to play that. I, I, I just absolutely loved it. You, um, you also had the million dollar band stuck in their seats, having to watch it all. <laughs> Couldn't get anywhere. So, but okay, so so everybody storms the field, and there's this thought, you know, from you know, Alabama's never stormed the field. I think maybe Florida has never stormed a field. There's a handful of schools that, that haven't, and you know, there's this thought of well, act like you've been there, um, and the fact that you would storm a field of a regular season win proves that you're you're not back. Um, I'm curious your your thoughts on that. Does that does that say anything about it? I've got some context that I want to add in afterwards. But I'm curious your initial thoughts on that. Does it have any bearing on whether or not you feel like this program is, is an elite status again? So, you know, I, I heard some people talk about this on national podcast, as far as that specific uh, question. And the, and the thing always came up like, what were they ranked? And, and everybody was looking, you know, some of these, you know, were unfamiliar and it was, they were ranked six. Oh yeah. They should act like they have been there. And that was kind of the general consensus I felt, except for people that knew SEC and just knew kind of what the, what the tenor of the situation was. Mm -hmm. so it's hard to explain that to like, you know, I get that national pundits don't get that and they don't understand it, but it's like, you have to, 
you just kind of have to be from the area to understand the importance. So I, I don't know. I, I find it like, I, I think it was great. You know, we're on national news like for a week. So mm-hmm. I think it's great that, you know, and I don't, I don't relate this specific instance to like something like act like you've been there. I, I think that flies out the window when you dig down and realize what the scenario really was. What do you think, Chris? Um, I fully embrace the uh, white trash redneck uh, reputation of uh, Fall Nation. Uh, I, I don't care. Uh, we are a unique fan base. Uh, we are the best fan base. We could probably be the worst fan base at times. So. <laughs> uh, but I embrace it all. It's kind of like the hill in wrestling. Like uh, I kind of feel like that. I mean, just put a big balls 316 shirt, bust it <laughs> out, and uh, let's go. Hypo just whipped your ass. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's I, I embrace that side of it. Uh, speaking of getting fined for going on the field, their first offense was like 2006, uh, Florida, Tennessee, and basketball. Really? Well, no, that was okay. That beat that was the Joakim Noah, Al Horford. Yeah. That was a ridiculously good Florida team. Tennessee actually had a three and one record against those two championship teams. Yeah. Is there not a statute of limitations for storming the court? Like, doesn't that get reset after 10 years or something? <laughs> one would that's, think that was 16 years ago. So that was, uh, that's kind of shocking that that still counts against this, but whatever. Uh, and in the words of, I don't know, was he the president? Aunt Boyd is Boyd Randy the president? Boyd, yeah. Yeah, I Randy. saw that video. That was great. What did he uh, say? He said something along the lines of somebody's like, how much is this going to cost? And he just says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I take it every every time. It doesn't Uncle matter. Uncle Randy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my feelings. I, I we are we are the literally the epitome of a redneck fan base. And we uh yeah. I think I think Fall Nation embraces that and kind of likes it. So we, I mean, yes, we, we kind of have to. My, um, I would argue that what we're seeing again, this is early, uh, this is the beginning for the hypo era. Um, yeah. Saturday was a, was a huge spring forward to what it could be. But, um, I don't know that there has ever been a program. Well, not ever, at least in the past, in the modern era of college football, let's say your AP era. We can even go back that far. A program that has been as elite as Tennessee fall to as terrible as Tennessee what has been. Look at the, I mean, the, the blue bloods are the blue bloods. Ohio State, you know, Alabama, Oklahoma, they had some bad eras. Guys, from 09, to, there was a stretch of six years where Tennessee spent two weeks in the AP poll. I, I mean, that's atrocious. They had a season that they did not win an SEC game. They had back-to-back one in seven conference seasons. That was unfathomable not that long ago because from 89 to, you know, 07, at worst, was a... They they were you know at worst four. yeah with you know maybe one or two rough seasons in there but so a truly an elite program that fell to among the worst power five schools in college football for the last fifteen I mean that is not an exaggeration I mean yes the schedule was always brutal and if you put them in a division in the ACC they probably are mediocre but truly terrible 
Uh, six wins was their ceiling those years. Absolutely. So the catharsis, the exorcism, the you know, triumph of, of this 2022 team, I don't know that that's happened, that a team has been that elite, that terrible, and, and back. I mean, so I, I think absolutely go storm the field. I don't so care that Bama's never done it. Storm the field, yeah. have your moment. I, I'm totally with you, but I don't know the history as much. But uh, so thinking of different programs that that may have happened to, I think you're right that it's not as dramatic. I know this is just one year, but it's like the it it feels like a, a crowning moment or something. Like we're back, you know, as at least in the mix. You know, it's not like we're Alabama. Nobody's saying that, but at least we're like in the mix and fun and trying to do it. So yeah, uh, I, I get it totally. In the mix, for sure. Um, well, all right. So, so a couple, couple pieces. Then Let, let's do it. Let's do a few chug sip reports regarding regarding this uh, this weekend. Um, Hendon Hooker versus Bryce Young was the best quarterback matchup single game that you have seen in the college game. Chug sip report. Because Bryce Young have, was unreal. I have to think about that, but I'm at least going to say sip because Bryce Young was nuts. And some of those throws, I, there was one in particular where it was like in uh, a pocket of three defenders. It had to be a span of a foot. And uh, just right in there, I mean, multiple throws like that. Just the athleticism. I think he's going to be awesome in the pros. But that game was just – those two quarterbacks were playing awesome. So I got to at least sip it. And that's only because of the historical context I'm unsure of. But I would have, you know, like Leonard and Young is that one. Like, I don't, I don't know. That one's really that good. Well, though, I don't know that they had the stats, though. You know, it's so I would say sip at this point. What do you think, Chris? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, my initial uh, thought was Young Liner was probably better. Uh, that performance by Vince Young in the Rose Bowl was the single best performance I've ever seen on a football field. Uh, because that USC team was elite, and he basically single-handedly beat them. That's what it felt like. Uh, it was great. I mean, Sip would be I, – I mean, I'll probably lean between Sip and pour it out. Uh, Bryce Young looked amazing. Uh, I honestly think he's a right-handed Tua. I think that's a good comp. Uh, there's lots of similarities there, being undersized, insanely accurate. Uh, I think because he has a better throw in motion, it looks like his arm strength's better than Tua's, but I think it's probably about the same. Uh, so that's – and Hooker, I mean, I think Hooker's in a great system uh, that puts him in a very good position to succeed. I don't know that he's a good or even great quarterback. I don't know that he should be really drafted outside of the top in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Uh, I'm not sold on him being able to run an actual pro-style offense, the arm strength aspect of it. Uh, so I'm somewhere between sip and pour out, but pressure played his ass off, uh, and the running back had a hell of a game except for that one drop. Yeah. Uh, Gibbs, yeah. Yeah, Gibbs looked really good. He was the second-best player. Uh yeah. Hey, just to piggyback on Hooker, too, uh, and I know it's not good pod to talk about another pod, but uh, 
Trent Dilfer was talking today just about – he must be real close to the offensive coordinator, and uh, he said that Hooker is just a pro. Like, that's what they love about him. He comes in, he's yeah. just a pro. It's, it's like having a pro quarterback in a college program. I mean, he is 25 years prepares, old. Yeah. Right, and I'm sure that comes with it. But, I'm, you know, they say he's just, like, working, 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 and, and just setting the example. So it's that's a cool thing about him. I, I could see that. And I mean, you look at what he does super well, um, pocket presence, uh, decision-making, um, command of the offense. Like he, he knows, and this, this has been like such a pivot from the Tennessee quarterbacks of the past several years of, you know, Jared Garantano and, and a lot of that I have to have, you know, Nate, Nate Peterman, Nate Peterman, you know, Quentin Dormady. I mean, nothing against those guys. They did have horrible coaches, but hooker goes up there and he, he knows what he's doing every play. And he's 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 not a rattled guy, so I think that's that's a great part. I, I, I think. Go ahead. Hmm? I was going to say the thing about Hooker that's so elite in my mind for the college game is as soon as you feel like you've stopped Tennessee's offense, he he runs for eight yards in the first down on third and long. It's true, and it extends the drives. Like you you think you stopped him, and it just deflates the defense. Uh, and I did see the stat where in the last three game SEC games they've played three ranked opponents. And they punted three times total. That's yes. They played not only three SEC opponents, Florida, Florida LSU, and Alabama. Yeah. Like three, I know three total punts. Yeah. Um, so as far as the greatest matchup, quarterback matchup, I, I I'm gonna pour it for for the game that you mentioned, McClure. Um, I actually just looked it up. Um Vince Young, uh 30 of 40, 267. In addition, 200 rushing yards and three scores. Matt Leinert's, pass, Matt Leinert's passer rating was higher than Vince Young's. He was 29 of 40 for uh, 365 and a score uh, and a pick. But um, that game was I – mean, that's, I mean, on, on the Mount Rushmore, great college football. And the stakes were higher, which also which, – which that's the other piece. Like, that makes it, makes it great. So um, – Fun that you can have a little bit of that in the in the conversation. Incredible matchup. I I think if if Alabama had I forget their backup's name. Uh, if he had played, it would have been like it would have been an absolute boat race. They would they would have no. been run out of the stadium. Yes. So uh, also, fans of the pod love your uh, football histor his historian or uh, his historical knowledge, whatever the word is. Oh yeah. <laughs> so are there any other quarterback matchups that came to your mind besides that Rose Bowl? You know, I was trying to, I was trying to think. Um, I, I couldn't come up with with a ton. The first, you know, one I thought was '96 Manning against Warfel, um, where it was a tale of two halves, where each quarterback played an incredible half and one horrible half. Um, but it wasn't, you know, certainly not on not on this level. Um, I was trying to think of, a, you know, there's ones that should have been like Tebow and Bradford in that national championship game. And both the, the defenses won the day in that game. Um, like Florida's defense was elite. Oklahoma's defense was pretty awesome. Um, so no, those, I, I didn't really have any, um, any great ones that, that immediately came to mind. So sorry to let you down well, there. You, but those were, you did mention Jarrett Garantano. And uh, I know he was not involved in any of those great classic matchups, but I think about players like that, 
and like all these guys are like 20, you know, it's like, yeah. And, um, think of the fact he probably played really hard and like tried his best and everybody hated him. <laughs> everybody well, hated his guts. Garantano. It was just a name that uh, brought up some, some bad memories of some throws in the dirt. Throws in the dirt, and there was the infamous uh, game against Alabama when he audibled to the sneak and fumbled the ball. And, oh, that was terrible. I mean, and then Pruitt <laughs> grabbed his face mask. And uh, again, I kids are twenty years old. I, we we remember these names, but you know, let's let's. There's no ill will towards these kids. They're kids, you know. Um, oh, there is towards Garantano. Well, for sure. <laughs> his I everything that happened there during the Pruitt era. I I do think he was the most incompetent of the of the post Fulmer clowns uh, seems to be. And I was, I was always on point with that. The Alabama spy. Yeah, you were, you I called knew. that from day one. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Uh, among the 10, I think, I mean, uh, like, yeah, well, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's do another, another Shug Sipper poor. Um, Shug Sipper poor. Hennon Hooker is the front runner for the Heisman trophy. I'll sip. I think it's CJ Stroud. Uh, and yeah. I think, I think Stroud will come down to the Michigan game. If, if they beat Michigan, uh, I think he wins it. If they were to lose to Michigan, which is very possible, Michigan's a good team. They are. Uh, I think hooker has a good chance. Uh, cause Hooker's going to put up numbers no matter what. Uh, and I do have $10 on him and hooker plus 6,500, uh, preseason right there. So, I, I wouldn't hate it. So, but I'm going to sip it at best because I think Stroud's the front runner. I don't. I think it's those two. I think it's a one-two race, and I don't. I don't think there's any any other dark horses that could make an appearance, really. So, sip. I'm going to. I'm going to chug that baby. I'm going to. We're we're going to get that back from from Charles Woodson, and um, that's what it's going to be. And and uh, I, he is going to throw up massive numbers. If we lose one game, like to Georgia or like an SEC championship. And he's throwing up 300-yard games like this. I mean, he's, he's right in the mix. I'd say it's 50-50 at this point, but I'm chugging it for the for the fun of it. His numbers are practically identical to Joe Burrow's uh, 2019 season. Which everybody said was like one of the greatest college seasons of all time. It truly yeah. was. It's it's um, He he and um, Cam Newton have the trifecta there of Heisman, undefeated, uh, going to a Super national Bowl. championship also went also lost Super Bowls in early in their career huh that's a fun one um so I, I'm gonna sip it Tennessee has all time they've had three players finish second in Heisman voting um Manning who can the other two were Johnny Majors and um, let's see I want to try to guess the last guess the one. third one talking about finishing uh, runner-up finishing runner-up Tennessee's never won a Heisman they've had three players be the runner-up um, yeah, who can get? Can you guess the third? Majors been like fifty six or seven. I can't remember the year, but okay. Well, I was gonna say Jamal Lewis because I thought nope. that he maybe ran for like a thousand yards one year or something, but so I was way off. <laughs> no, well, no, I haven't given uh, you the third yet. Yeah, anybody? Condridge uh, was not Condridge Holloway. It was back a long time ago, was it not? Um, no. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I thought you said it was we're in talking 56 pre, or 57. Are we, are we talking no, pre nineties? No, we're not talking pre nineties. Oh, Schuler, hmm. Heath Schuler. Ah, uh. um, he was. 
again, those were elite Tennessee teams. Um, I mean, the running backs, I mean, on top of Heath being elite, James Stewart, Charlie Garner, Aaron, I mean, like five NFL running backs in the stable. But all that to say, in two of those circumstances, something happened in the only time in history in college football for the Heisman Trophy. Heath Schuler was second to Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward should have won the Heisman, no question. He was unreal on that Florida State team. Johnny Majors lost the Heisman to Paul Hornig from Notre Dame on a team that was four and seven. The only time that Heisman has been given to somebody on a losing team. Peyton Manning lost the Heisman to Charles Woodson. The only time that a defensive player has ever won the Heisman trophy. So um, if we got a ball in the running, it's, you know, something weird is going to happen, but I'm going to, it's, 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 I think it's a three man race. I think Bryce Young get back into it. Um, depending on I, how he performs. I have year. a great Charlie Ward trivia question. Ooh. Let's um, hear it. How many Nick draft picks have got a second contract by the Knicks since Charlie Ward? <laughs> Man, that's a great I mean, question. Well, the, the, the way you ask it, I'm just going to uh, shoot for the moon and say zero. Um, I'm going to guess uh, – why is this some weird one like Rolando Bachman got a second contract or something? <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, uh, two. It's it's one. R.J. Barrett uh, was the wow. first one. R.J. Barrett's it. Wow. Yeah, and it may have been first round picks. I'm not sure, but yeah, it, it was the he was the first first maybe Nick, first Knicks first round pick uh, that got a second contract with the Knicks. That's a phenomenal. Uh, so if you're Charlie Ward, that's a great career choice, right? Like you get oh, the absolutely get, yes concussion like you free. Get all the per, yeah, concussion free, and you get the you get probably more money. Honestly, uh, yeah. He was he would have been a you know sixth seventh round pick for as, as a quarterback because you know the mobile quarterbacks were still as unless you were Randall Cunningham who was an absolute generational talent. Nobody was running running from. Or Steve Young was considered a super running, you know, mobile quarterback in the day. So, pretty insane uh, athlete to uh, be able to make that transition, though. He's like never talked about in the Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, you know. No, he made yeah. the right decision because he was a serviceable point guard for like 15 years, right? He, Dude, was, he played in the league he was for a, a long time, and he was probably top half point guard every year. That's cheers to you, Charlie Ward. Way to make some good decisions. Hey, um, let's look. I, you you mentioned the player in your in your talk about the '90s with Little Man, yeah, a, a UT player that does not get the recognition that he deserves. As far as like he was a stud in the pros too, and the but lit, that that litany of running backs all the way through like the early 2000s was oh. just awesome. It's unreal. But I was gonna say here here's a here's a little just add on to that. Who just when you think about your favorite of all, that the one that's just like it might not—it's not the best player, but just the one that you identified with the most. Mine was always Montario Hardesty, and he just like he just ran so hard, just tried to run so hard all the time, just hurt himself. Like he was played yeah. for the Browns, he just ran too hard, and he was out of the league in like a year. But he was—I loved Montario. But who's who's your person like that for uh, for the Vols? Mine is no question my favorite football player. Ever, Eric Berry. Oh, great one! He was great. I, I, a, no, a, a safety impacted a game unlike, and that guy, again, I mean, he had a, a ruptured Achilles, and the man had cancer. 
missed a whole season, and he lost a season to an ACL tear from a cheap shot from Stevie Johnson. Thanks, Kentucky. Um, he, I mean, he was on track. He could have been uh, one of the best safeties of all time and was still an all-decade player. In college, he was on horrible football teams. He won games from a strong safety position. Uh, my favorite football player, Eric Berry. Mine was Al Wilson. Great call. Kind of, kind of the first love kind of thing uh, with the balls. Uh, just the man in the middle that did it all. Uh, yeah. Great Wilson. video of Al Wilson in tears after the game. Oh, and it's just man. like I said, that, I said when that happened, that's why he was so good, just the, the emotion and the passion. <laughs> he was from uh, Tennessee. He's from Tennessee, right? I believe so. Yeah, he was, I mean, just, yeah, stall. And he had a great NFL career too. He was a pro bowler several years. So his, he broke his, his neck. Yeah, his career ended early. Um, yeah, he was, uh, there's kind of a famous playoff game in 2000 when the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Um, their first round playoff game was against the Broncos, and you had a play where Jamal Lewis and Al Wilson just bam slammed into each other, and Jamal Jamal got the uh, got the W on that play. He'd uh, probably get the W on about anybody. Jamal was on, yeah, he was again two torn ACLs, ran for two thousand yards. So, I, I again, remember Jamal was right running down the sideline and especially dribbled the ball to himself. He fumbled it right, hit the ground, popped right up to him in stride, and just kept on running. <laughs> Classic uh, Jamal Lewis. Yeah. Well, I got I got one more Chuck Sip report, and then we can continue on okay. uh, you know, whatever topics you like. Um okay. Chuck Sip report. I can't believe that this is a serious question. I truly can't. Tennessee makes the college football playoff. Chug. <laughs> Chugging that one. Oh man! Oh man! Go back to uh, middle of August. Uh, we were in the fine town of Ringgold, Georgia. We were. Uh, we were out by the pool, and we were me and McClure were talking some Tennessee football. And I said, "Man, I was like, I'm not trying to get too excited, but man, I, I see ten and two as possible. Like Georgia, Alabama, the two losses. Like uh, Florida is not going to be great. LSU has a new coach, and they're not going to be great." I was like. And Heupel's going to score on offense. That will eliminate like the South Carolinas, the Kentuckys, uh, any other marginal mm-hmm. opponents. Uh, I was like, ten and two is possible. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited. Boys, like, oh, easy on that one. I'd be thrilled with nine and three. I was like, I'm just saying, I, I'm kind of excited. Uh, I think my quote in the pool is, "Dream season is to split Alabama and Georgia." Yes, and that's yeah. pretty much already happened. So, the the problem is like. Kentucky <laughs> coming to Neyland. I, you, I just worry about these games that like have the I potential just, to lose that you're not worrying about. I just don't think Kentucky or South Carolina can score with Tennessee. I don't uh, either now that Kentucky's got their quarterback hurt, right? If Lavis is out there, they're sunk because Tennessee's a good run defense. Yeah. That's the only thing I don't know about. And another reason I chug is they, they beat Alabama. They got that W. If they lose to Georgia, then it means they're probably not making the SEC championship game, but they're 11-1 and one with the one loss being to Georgia. Uh, I don't know of a team that will have a better loss than that as their only loss. And Tennessee's strength of schedule is, I think they were 12th in the nation last I saw. Uh, and if they happen to beat Georgia and they lose to Alabama in the SEC title game, they're well, in. they split with Alabama and you beat Georgia. Uh, hello, you're in. So right now, I, I think they're in a great spot. Uh, I'm, so I'm going to chug it. They're, they I'm are. Chug- in a gr- 
You're chugging it too, huh? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm chugging it too. It's a. I was thinking about the team that could do the same thing there might be Michigan. And I, maybe I'm thinking about it wrong, but if they could lose to Ohio State, won't they still probably get in if they're undefeated until then? Oh, uh, that strength of schedule has to come back and bite them in the ass because their their strength of schedule is like 86th or 78th in the nation. It was it was one of the two. It was really bad. This is a big so, ha- then, have and have not year for the Big Ten. There's two schools. And... Well, then you got to think about when you lose too. And so if you, yeah, I think Tennessee's situation is like they're they're good either way. Like if if you consider a loss to Georgia or to second Alabama. Like that gets them in regardless, I think. So I'm with you on the chug because I think other teams have more to hurdle than we do. So th- there's It's an interesting year because I think there's – I don't see Ohio State and Michigan, one of those two teams is going undefeated. The other one loses one game. Yep. Clemson's not losing. They're, they're I, AC, I, I think Clemson could lose. I don't think Clemson's any good. Well, that's what I hope Tennessee gets in the CFP. It's Clemson. I'm <laughs> up for that one. Um, the the Big Twelve will do what Big Twelve teams do, you know. Um, uh, TCU is going to lose to somebody. Uh, Syracuse is undefeated. Hey, now that's a game we'll watch this weekend. Syracuse versus Clemson. Oh, go go orange. Go orange. I'll wear yeah. orange for that one. That would be awesome. Um, Ole Miss is somehow still undefeated. Yeah, I, I think I think good. Alabama just you know waxes them. Um, I think they sort of take care of themselves. So we've only got a handful of teams there. So yeah, we're in the mix. I'm going to sip it because here's the here's the scenario that could happen: Georgia, Tennessee loses to Georgia, then Alabama beats Georgia, and you're not going to get three SEC teams in. Mike so you should. T- you got your Big Ten, and then now you're talking about Clemson. the last two of them. Then yeah, undefeated Clemson, and also you know, so that's that's Is that's TCU still that undefeated. TCU is undefeated, but I think they're going to TCU is going to lose. They the Big Twelve teams always find a way to not make the playoff unless you're named Oklahoma. So, so my uh, niece goes to TCU now, and uh, she sends me videos that she was on the field after the game. Apparently, they stormed the field as well. So that was a fun one. TCU is good in football this year, and she's having fun with it. So that's cool. But I'm gonna have to I, sip too. I, I'm gonna have to change this because I forgot about my JMU Dukes. JMU Dukes. Dukes. The bowl ineligible JMU Dukes. <laughs> hey, but they're still in the top 25, and uh, that's fun. That's like a, uh, so when I went to JMU in 2002, I rolled into my first game freshman year, like used to going to Neyland, and this oh. little podunk, this little podunk stadium. They were uh, trying to pump everything up, so we we'd go and trudge over there, and uh, the first uh, thing I see when I walk in is an extra point because we just scored. And the kicker just plunked it off the uh, goalpost, and I just we just left. We just turned around and left. Just left. They were so bad. <laughs> they went. They didn't win a game. I think they, they may have won like two games. They, they were very very bad. And then suddenly, the next year, my sophomore year, we won the national championship against Montana, and continued to do that through the mid two thousands, like they were just a juggernaut in that division. So that's fun to have JMU trying to jump up and do some stuff. Let's uh, hey go go Dukes. This could be a, could yeah, be so a we'll, fun. So yeah. They may make the playoffs. That's why I got to sit now. So you got to sit. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have any chug sip report topics, but that's uh 
that's all of mine. That's uh, that's fun. Um, I guess the last one was: is this your, is this your favorite, like favorite game, favorite sports win? You said McClure. This is the most fun you've ever had watching a game. Uh, is this Man, your I, favorite? I can think of like I can think me, of a few. Give like, me a couple of. I was, like, yeah, I was at the Florida game in '98 yeah. when the last time we stormed the field, and I was young, so I couldn't uh, storm the field. But it was. Um, as far as like live sport, that's that's probably the most fun I've ever had watching a game. But the, I, I remember like early '90s Bulls finals because I was a, a kid, and just remember like the Suns and Bulls finals. That was a memorable one, but more more or less just nostalgia. I think this one had it all. Had like the ups and downs, and just the score and the man, it was fun. For me, give me the '98 national title game. Still remember as a kid, my parents let me stay up and watch it all. Mm-hmm. I was probably yeah, maybe 13 or 12, 12, 13, something like that. So that was that one stood out. Uh, the Braves won the World Series last year. Okay. Uh, Saturday was a better feeling than that. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Saturday was a better feeling than that. I mean, I was excited for the Braves. I was in tears. Uh, I think I was too drunk to be in tears Saturday, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was, Saturday was up there. It was, uh, uh, it's why I love sports. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, it's been, he's been so bad for so long. That's what made it feel so good that, 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 that was a win for me. It's, uh, it's, it's up there. It's a, it's a top, top five, um, 98. Yeah. 98 game against Florida state. I remember watching that with my with my dad, and my mom, and then just you know loving that one um, with an asterisk. The '98 Florida game up there too. That whole season, I mean, that whole season was magic. But that '98 game, I remember watching with my with my buddy Chris, and we, yeah, I was again 15, I guess, at the time. So um, another one for me that I remember again this is nostalgia as a kid, um, a weird one, and. It was the '95 NBA Finals when the five slamma jamma rush. Shaq, the OJ Finals. It, well, that was '94. The OJ Finals were '94. '95 is when the Rockets go back to back, but this time with Drexler as the two guard, and they sweep the Orlando Magic with Shaq and Penny. Um, vividly remember Game One when Elijah Wan has a tip in to win it. Um, Game three, Robert Ory makes a, a, a game winner. And then there's a – I remember, like, watching this coast-to-coast Drexler play when he just has a nasty dunk on Penny. And uh, that was a – I mean, I was 10, I guess. I was a 10, 12. As, a, as again, nostalgia. I remember that just being the first time that my, one of my teams won a championship, and it was it was awesome. Just, what about know. any Steelers Super Bowls? Any Anything so, touching that? My Steelers fandom is not as deep as my Vols fandom, obviously. Um, the 08 one was interesting when they beat the Cardinals. That was a great um, game. Cause the, the two the Steelers have won in my lifetime, uh, had they won in 95 over Dallas, that would have been up there, absolutely, as a kid. But um, the two teams they played, they beat the Seahawks in 05 in a terrible, terrible game. Watch that at, uh, in Kentucky with Logan and Will. Um, remember that one. Um, and yeah, it was great, but it was a, it was like just such a horrible game that it didn't feel as, you know, great. 
the 08 one, I actually tried to go to that game. I was living in Fort Myers, Florida. The game was in Tampa. Halftime show was Bruce Springsteen. I was like dying to go. I didn't have any money to my name. Ryan Russell, my buddy, and I drove up there. I took $500 that I did not have to try to go find tickets um, at the stadium. Now, this was also a time – I don't know if you all care about this. I'm just talking. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, this was in like – 08. This was in January of 09 or February of 09. So this was after, you know, the 08 recession was in full swing. So, so ticket prices were low. So I thought maybe I'd have a chance to get into that game. Um, we couldn't find tickets for anything less than two grand. Um, and, in, and who knows if they were legit or not in hindsight, Hey, wish I could have gotten into that game. Cause that was an epic, epic win. Had I been there, that would be way up there. Um, but I ended up watching it at a, at a uh, Beefo Brady's in oh. like Sarasota. Um, I got a good Beefo Brady's story after this. <laughs> so uh, Ryan and I had a great day. And also like, yeah, that was a great win, but I had no, like you want to beat somebody that you just hate, right? In in these big games. That's what made this one so great. I didn't care. Like the Cardinals, I wouldn't have been so upset if if Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald won a Super Bowl. So anyway, yeah. What's your Beefo Brady story? Uh, so they opened up a Beef O'Brady's briefly in Cookville. Uh, they had a, it was like their opening, maybe opening night special, or they had some kind of, spe- it was like a special night, and it was dollar drafts, like 25 cent wings. Uh, and we went in there, we're talking Great. probably 20 of us sitting at a table. Uh, and it was on a football night. Well, I, don't, I don't know if it's like a Monday, a Thursday, I can't remember the night, but there was football on TV. Uh, we sat down. We ordered a bunch of wings, a bunch of beer. Uh, our waitress was awful, like capital A awful. But she kept the drinks coming. Eventually, the food showed up. It wasn't a, none of it was right, but at, le- at least it showed up. We were we were drinking. We were, I mean, wings are wings. It's not going to kill us, kind of thing. Uh, so we're good, and we're we're like, hey, uh, game's over. Can we get our checks? And she's like, oh, you're good. We're like, what are you talking about? And she's like. I lost track of what y'all got, so it, it's good. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, wait a second now. Like, are, are you sh- like, I'm so confused right now. And they're like, it's been a chaotic night. I know I've been terrible as a server. And she was like apologetic. And we were just like, I mean, we just came here because there's cheap wings, cheap beer. We didn't really, I mean, we didn't come here for the service. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we got free, free beer, free wings. We all, that's a pretty good tip for her. Uh, and yeah, we left and beef of Brady's lasted about four months in Cookville. So uh, that might have that they closed. Might have been why any teas. They could not. Uh, but yeah, that was the one time I've ever been to beef of Brady's was that one time. It's pretty good. I, I'm I'm a fan of beef of Brady's. I think, um, I have been there with Matt Hickman and our, uh, friend of the pod, Andy, uh, Hicks for some trivia night. If I remember correctly, is that not the case? That did happen. That was in 2010. Yeah, that's fun times. When you're playing trivia with uh, Hickman and Hicks, that's a, a power duo. But uh, you talked about you missing out on that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So uh, your favorite uh, game memory, I missed out on that one. We had tickets to the Fiesta Bowl in Arizona. and um, Oh, man. It was – Dad had season tickets at the time, had the option to buy them, so he he did, and we just couldn't go to Arizona. <laughs> so he ended up selling them to the mailman for on the cheap, and uh, 
sent the mailman out there to to uh, Arizona to watch it because wow. he knew he was the only one that knew that Dad had the tickets because he, he delivered them. them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. And, uh, so that was cool. You you made me think of a couple other sports memories when you talked about that uh, random NBA finals because okay. this was four years after that was Avery Johnson on the sideline shooting the jumper to beat the Knicks. Yeah. That was like a game six maybe. But that was that was an eight seed versus a one seed in that shortened season. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember making a bet with a – a friend in high school that the Spurs were going to win that title that year because I loved Tim Duncan so much and it paid off. And uh, the other one was, I think it was the exact same year. It could have been four years later on their second title when Sean Elliott hit that shot where his feet were dangling out of bounds. I think that was the same year against the Blazers, wasn't it? I believe it was because it was probably in the Western finals, I guess. Or it may have been an early round, but it was that shot where his his uh, yeah. feet are hanging outside. But a lot of those old Spurs things are fun. So uh, I mean, but like no ahead. one would know these. You know, it's like that's just a very random, specific. Like this is your team. Like you know this stuff. I share the Spurs love, uh, not quite as to the extent you do, but I've always been. You know, I was I love pop and love those teams. The fourteen Spurs that was a fun one. Uh, Manu's, Manu's my, dunk over was that the beautiful, beautiful basketball, beautiful game, beautiful Spurs, game. when they eviscerated the LeBron Heat. And yeah, Manu's dunk on Chris Bosch that was that's an all time favorite play of mine. That went nuts. That was that, this, that was game five, and like, all right, they're done. That's it. Manu's got a lot of awesome plays, too. And one was the block on Harden in the playoffs a couple of years oh, ago, so clutch. Yeah, he just was. That's another player that's like <laughs> he'll never get his credit due, and because he came off the bench, but he's a he. I love one of my favorites. Yeah, same. Um, going back to random trivia at sports uh, sports bars, there was mm-hmm. a, there was a bar in Cookville that had a sports trivia. It lasted about three weeks, uh, but we heard about it one week. Couldn't end up going. We went the second week. It was me, my brother, one of my fraternity brothers. Uh, Tennessee Tech's SID department was there, and they were like feeling very confident they were going to win. Uh, we trounced their ass. Nice. So we win a $75 gift card to the bar, and Caleb, my fraternity brother, just looks at him and says, um, can you just bring us $75 worth of Jaeger bombs? Oh, stop it. What? <laughs> uh, in comes 15 Jaeger bombs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 15 Jaeger bombs. In, oh, uh, no. I, I took four, my brother took five, oh and Caleb gosh. took six. Uh, needless to say, I didn't make it to work or class the next day. We got an Uber what? Uber from Char back to the fraternity house, stayed up stayed up way too late. I mean, we were probably up till 5 a.m. just because that Red Bull, I mean, oh, man, we were jacked up. Yeah, and, that's... And oh winning God. trivia, that was, uh, that was a great, great, like, college memory right there. We're like, yeah, just bring us $75 worth of Jaeger bombs. They're like, is this real? Like, serious question? I'm like, yeah. Like the confident move there. Here comes 15, and it was just like, go. Wow. (laughs) That's good stuff. That is. That is. Oh, man. Guys, any any other uh, topics we want to touch on? This is, again, this podcast is centered on – just, just the game. Uh, you know, Tennessee, Alabama. Any other, any other clothing closing thoughts oh. you guys have about the game? Or yeah, okay. I got, I got a good Chuck Zipper pour for y'all too. Let's do it. Uh, because I have, I have a thought on this. So, 
at the end of the third quarter, for some asinine reason, Tennessee plays friend and low friends in low places as like their version of won't back mm-hmm. down by Tom Petty. If you could pick any song to replace friends in low places, what would it be? So I really guess it's a Chuck Zipper poor, but oh, what's the song? Like, yeah, well, the you song? can say Chuck Zipper poor friends in low places. Yeah. We're all going to pour that out. Cause it's a terrible song, but okay. Hmm. So this is a super difficult question. It is. Um, I, so I, I noticed that when I went to the Ole Miss game last year, I guess that was the first game I've been to where they've done it. So is it a thing now they do that? It's a thing now, unfortunately. Okay. You know, I'm trying to think of songs that relate to Tennessee specifically, like that mention Tennessee. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot. I'm just blanking. But uh, Copperhead Road is mine. Copperhead Road would be pretty awesome. Just the the beginning of it, like yes, that's pretty pretty epic. Um, I'd love to have a Dolly Parton song, but I don't know if any Dolly Parton songs really lend you know, lends itself to, I mean, he almost sing Jolene the third quarter. Uh, here's, here's what I think would be cool. If, uh, if they put the lyrics to Rocky top on the jumbotrons and had everybody do it, acapella, just sing the whole thing. <laughs> An acapella Rocky top. Yeah. But then you got to like send out emails to everybody and be like, all right, you harmonize in this, you know, and you harmonize this. We gotta have could, some good singers in the crowd. We'll, we'll get it going. Promise you, there's good singers all over the place. It's East <laughs> Tennessee, you know, <laughs> acapella rock. Well, that's so that's the thing. Like Tennessee is, we do is one of the most iconic unofficial fight songs. So, do you need a song? That's Great that's one point. thing. Um, or do you just go ahead and co-op Dixieland Delight for a year? Just just <laughs> as a big. Like, <laughs> hey, I think that would work. Uh, the song would great, and everybody would love it, and it's it has it'll ring true for years because people know what it references to. I mean, Florida doing "Don't Back Down" that's great. I mean, that's, that's a that's, great one. That's perfect, great. and it fits. Like Tom Petty's, a, you know, he's from Gainesville. Like that couldn't be better, right? Like, so why compete? Like, good job, Florida. Like, well, I don't do want to take the hometown boy just because he's from there and like choose Kenny Chesney or something. No. Nobody That's a likes hard him. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. We're not suddenly singing "Touchdown Tennessee" or I do love know, that song. Back by where the I way. come from. That's probably what they would choose. Back where I come from. I like that song. That's one of the only ones I like. Is uh, well, maybe we maybe we. Zig she thinks my beer gets sexy. There we go. That was a classic. Maybe, maybe we just zig and get like Juicy J from Three Six Mafia. The to it. Yeah. <laughs> How about? Uh, how about Buddy Holly? The uh, bassist <laughs> from Weezer. Song? Yeah, the bassist from Weezer went to Bearden. He's from Knoxville. Oh, really? Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I feel like know. we'd have to put We could have used that American Idiot song when Pruitt was head coach. That's, that would work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Oh, man. Do like a so good the, Weezer we song. To, I may have to revisit this and come up with a good one. We, we got to think of something classic. Yeah, if anybody has a has a great uh, a great answer for this, go for it. I, I think, I mean, if everybody tries to recreate, like, I mean, I, what is LSU going to play like Colin Baton Rouge in the third quarter? And I mean, I Alabama should probably should... play Sweet Home Alabama. You know, 
That LSU should sense. play Purple Rain. Ooh, oh, that would one. be awesome. Night game. Wow. And, and they play Purple Rain. Hire you as the athletic director. That's a... That's a... <laughs> Are we sure that are we sure that the majority of LSU fans have heard of Prince? No. Yeah. No, we're not. Bad. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Sports writers would love it with, though. I work with a lot of twenty, you know, twenty age year olds that don't know, you know, James Taylor, don't know huge artists. Uh, so I, it's. A, I have a, I have um, a new idea. Can we can we sing uh, the river by uh, Springfield uh, because that will. Or Springsteen, down to uh, the river. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah, because that oh, will uh, that'll get all the sports riders back on our side because they love Springsteen. They do love Springsteen. <laughs> a sports rider loves more than Springsteen for some reason. So it kind of uh, mends the fence one's there. For all you out there, man. hard workers out there, this one's for you. <laughs> Blame glory days. He did again. He would. He did that halftime show that I didn't uh, for that Super Bowl. I didn't make, and he changed the lyrics to the song "Glory Days." To instead of he'd throw that speed ball by you, to he'd throw that Hail Mary by you. Oh. Bruce, love you. That's a terrible choice for that, but you know, anyway, so passionate though. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he's coming to Atlanta in February, and I don't think I can not go. I've never seen the Boston concert, so you want me to tell you how it's going to sound when you go, please. Well, this next one's about the common man and the working man, and uh, one, two, three. <laughs> with the saxophone, I think you nailed it. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's uh, he mum he mumbles for a little bit and talks about the common man, and then he yells a one, two, three, and then you're off, and then it's like three hours later, you don't know what happened. I mean, his he's songs. A, are he's a big Dusty Rhodes fan. What's that? Is he a big Dusty Rhodes fan? The common man. The common man. That's it. He uh, he needs Dusty Rhodes up there to be his hype man. <laughs> man, well, that's a good call. If anybody thinks of a great, um, yeah, third quarter song, uh, it's got. And it's again, it's got to be great to do it. It's got to be a great Copperhead Road could be pretty. I mean, that the the beginning of that song could really get a. I mean, not like us hillbillies need anything else to get us fired up. But that would do it. So. Anyway. There's possibilities. There's probably a Charlie Daniel song in there somewhere that works too. But all right, boys. Uh any of the last thoughts as we uh as we wrap up this uh Go Vols episode of uh Sports Nets and Beer Guys. Go Vols is all I got. All right. Guys, TBO, go Vols. there's nothing can bring us down. No, I genuinely can't believe that this is is where we are. Um talking about the playoffs and not sounding like an idiot. Um, but, hey, we have dusted off the days of Dooley and Butch and Pruitt. Goodbye. We love hype. Believe the hype because he, even he knows that if you drink, don't drive. Do the watermelon crow. Boom. See y'all.